What's the haps? You're listening to another episode of What in the World podcast, where we discuss all things past, present, and future with the sport of whirly ball. I'm Steve Vogt, joined by Mark Mills, a.k.a. Cramyard Slim. Hello. And our good friend, Mr. Noah Aaron. <laughs> How we doing? Uh, uh, my heart's heavy. And that's all I can say at this point. It's just uh, uh, 2020 has been very uh, uh, exhausting emotionally, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that. 2020 has been yeah, described to me like... as like a scar from the Lion King has taken over Pride Rock. But, you know, just as the U.S. Scar has taken over the U.S. Uh when he did that, he killed our father? Yeah. And okay. made our king disappear. He did Exiled. an amazing song. Like, yeah. you know, be prepared. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't as good as he promised. Yeah. I just can't wait to be king, I think was the, it was kind of a hope, hope-filled precursor, if I recall. Exactly. That was like 2019. Well, at least there's more. That was so 2019. Yeah, 2019, the year of hope. We haven't run run out of food, though. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Not yet. Yeah. What do you you think of the situation, Noah? You know, I I think it's it's appropriate for us to acknowledge, you know, with um, the the recent civil unrest and, and the protests, that there, that there it certainly hit Seattle hard. I, I have seen that it's hit a lot of our cities uh, uh, pretty hard, and there are a lot of people, you know, uh, uh, fighting for fighting for rights, for justice, for accountability, for reforms, uh, and that there's a lot of a lot of narratives and a lot of uh, work to 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 come. And a lot of work to heal our communities, and I am really grateful that we have this platform and this community where we can talk about Whirly Ball, where we can come together and meet uh, and support the community that, that we love and gives me a lot of strength um, and a lot of support, which is our Whirly Ball family, uh, you know, Whirly Ball Nation, uh, where we can all come together and, uh, and, and talk about the game that we love. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that and uh, looking forward to... to uh, to lean on Whirly Ball Nation to get through all this. Well said, sir. Well said. I, I couldn't have said it any better. I have me either. That's why I, I asked you to say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's, it's kind of wild, right? We've got Ebola. We've got new cases of Ebola in, in Congo. It's, uh, it's such an awesome movie. Uh, they're making a sequel to Congo? Yeah, I mean, they nailed it. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know if you can improve on perfection. You got lasers <laughs> coming from diamonds wielded by uh, mutated silverbacks. The new language will be sign language. <laughs> <laughs> All thanks to the Congo. Part two, Ebola. Part two. Isn't it starring? Uh, is it is it Jane Jane uh, Foster? Or is it Jane Fonda? Or who was the who was the scientist who? Jo- Jody Foster. No, <laughs> Jody Foster. 
James Franco? <laughs> is it Gene Simmons? I can't remember who. <laughs> oh, no. It's something with a J in it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure somebody more intelligent than me out there knows who I'm talking about, the scientists who uh, work with the uh, apes. Uh, so is there anything Jane you guys Goodall. have done for... Is there anything you guys have done within a week for uh, Whirly Ball for yourselves, like uh, cut up on any videos or uh, throwing a ball at the wall? Or is, is, is there anything that you guys are doing? There were two things that I did. One, I watched uh, you know, Gus's Wednesday live stream. Um, and although I haven't joined the last couple of weeks, I have been watching and I, I man, it's, I get a kick so out of it. So I really got to stop talking shit about you. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I haven't been watching that closely. I gotta, I gotta. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we've been talking um, in code when we're talking shit. That's why you don't know about it. That's right, <laughs> Steve. You don't even show up until like the last thirty minutes. Well, I'm in traffic, sir. I'm sorry that I can't like get on right when it fucking starts. All right, but Drew is uh, talking on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, outside. Well, good for Drew, all right? (laughs) No, but if anyone's not, like, catching up with people, watch Whirly Ball or the Whirly Freak on YouTube to catch up on, like, people just uh, signing up and talking the shit, just shooting the shit and talking Whirly Ball. And you get to see some really candid chats, like uh, James Gill, uh, you know, at home. Uh, in front of, I don't know if I want to call it an ironic sign, but uh, the sign behind James in this very domestic setting, uh, all smiles and warmth, uh, is uh, be humble, be kind, which is a beautiful sentiment, um, and I don't immediately associate it with James. And it's also the most you'd ever hear from John Weber. Oh, yeah. Sharing philosophies. I love love me some John Weber. He doesn't ever talk, but when he does, it's important. Reigning national champion John Weber. We really need to have him on our podcast one time. Yeah, I think we do. Not just one time, but just in general. He was a part of your guys' team when you won, and he was my coach at one time. So I'd love me some John Weber. Yeah, the River Dolphin. We should get him on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and that too. But uh, the fact that he's on there weekly is just a tribute to how much he appreciates Whirly Ball. And so I think that's awesome. Yeah, and how much the community is there for each other. I totally yeah. agree. You can see it. So, yeah, uh, check out Whirly Freaks. Hello, Whirly Ball YouTube Nation. Page. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. yeah, so check out Whirly Freak on YouTube, Whirly Freak on Facebook, and get all the information. and join up on the zoom uh meetings to talk to all of us and it's wednesday there's wednesdays at six pacific time nine o'clock eastern eastern standard time yeah eastern delay time right now yeah excuse me because there's just the people that you wouldn't normally talk to that actually show up and talk to you so it's pretty amazing uh noah you're lighting is becoming pretty dark yeah uh, the sun's going down and when the sun goes down that's when noah goes darker. down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> that's we how much that's the, how much time we, we left. We have to do the interview as soon as it gets dark. <laughs> it's over. That's right. What do you, what do you think of the uh, the latest space launching? Oh, way cool, way cool. The uh, the Falcon Nine uh, launching the Dragon capsule to the ISS. It is you know when you it, the the just the historical nature of it. You know when we think of rocket ships that have launched American rocket ships that have launched astronauts to space. This is, I believe it's the fifth one ever, and it happens to be the first one ever designed uh, not by NASA, right? So it was uh, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, the space shuttle, and now the Falcon 9 rocket with the Dragon capsule. Just incredible achievement. And it went flawlessly. Way simplified interface, almost fully automated, just way cool. Can I ask, ask you an honest question? Yeah. Do you think the first landing on the moon was real? Yes. Okay, that's all I needed to know. I'll ask yeah. you something a little bit more in depth. Do you think that the future for privatized space exploration, you know, these, these shuttle missions, are, it's going to expand more now you that know, this I launch thought- has happened? Yeah, I thought the NASA administrator said something pretty um, insightful about that. You know, he talked about there's only so much you can do when the government is providing both the supply of launching and the demand for launching. There's only so much you can do. So as soon as we figure out, you know, opportunities for where where the commercial side of of things uh, can provide the demand for launches, That's the next economic game changer where there's a sustainable business model for both the supply and the demand. So things like um, Planetary Resources was trying to do, where they were trying to, you know, mine asteroids and have a journey of incremental value to the point where they would like, you know, go find an asteroid that they could capture filled with, you know, precious gems or rare earth materials that they could then, you know, bring into Earth orbit and bring those precious materials uh, down to Earth. That was their ultimate goal, and they had a lot of incremental steps of really cool value uh, heading towards that. But the, the, they've gone in, in a different direction since then. Space tourism, I don't think that's a, a big ticket sustainable, right? How many people have $200,000 for a 45-minute ride? So the, they're, they're, there's going to be the next, the next evolution. And I think things like the, the Red Dragon or... The star, uh, I forget what it's called, the SpaceX star or something where it's their, their Saturn V size rocket that you can take off and get to orbit and then refuel while it's in orbit so that you can get to anywhere in the solar system uh, and it can be manned. I think there's opportunities there that uh, uh, we'll find a way to monetize it, we'll find a way to create demand. And uh, I think that's the next step to, to making it viable. You oh, know what, really? I have another important question yeah what do you think is more valuable the fact that uh cleveland has won more championships in volleyball than in football or or that after today more cleveland players have been on the podcast than michigan players oh Well, with that said, I think it's time to introduce our next guest. Pleased to be joined by one of Cleveland's best, 
It's really about IQ and consistent high shot make him a credit to the game and one of the most exciting players to compete against. He has some of the most memorable on-court arguments. They just all happen to be with his own team rather than the opposition. But that's certainly okay, though. And I hope to see that trend continue for years to come because, well, it tends to make me laugh. Let's give a warm welcome to fellow national champion and our good friend, Mr. Anthony Ola. Yeah. Woo. What's up, guys? Man, is that a good stable to have that I argue with my team? Is it that much? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never noticed. Mainly with my brother. <laughs> No, I, it's, it, uh, like I said, it Actually, always brings yeah, a smile yeah, to correction. my face. It's good stuff. So how you doing? How's, how's Cleveland treating you? You know, are you, you staying safe, staying healthy out there? Yeah, we're here. Social distancing and staying inside. Actually, the stay-at-home order was just lifted not too long ago. Well, lucky but, you. Yeah, so finally get to get out of the house just a little bit more. But other than that, just doing random tasks around the house painting and fixing a whole bunch of stuff and that's about it how's the fam doing how's uh how's chili how's your dad oh they're doing good they're doing good um just we've just been hanging out that's about it guys haven't killed uh, each other yet too exciting no not yet surprisingly we're all still alive have you guys been able to go to the center much and play uh yeah so a little bit here and there um So we didn't have, our shutdown basically came at the beginning of April. So until then, like our leagues were still going. Our last week of leagues, basically no one showed up. And it was just kind of like a free for all, get together, just go play for a little bit. Whirly ball shut down, where at? Eh, Maybe like mid-April, I think. And then basically Rick opened back up maybe about a couple weeks ago. He's always said that we can go up there and, you know, practice or do whatever, you know, with that time because Chili still manages up there. So we were trying to get some practices together before, you know, nationals were called off, unfortunately. But it's just hard to get people up there for us because if one or two people don't show, basically, we don't have enough people to to actually do a practice. That's more than we have going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We we haven't been to our center since what the March, mo- March? February, March? March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad times, but we're hoping that mate. We're optimistic for June. Is middle of June? Uh, you know, middle of this month. Is that right, Noah? Is or yeah, you- phase phase two should uh, opening up should be in the next you know couple weeks. We'll see. There's been. Uh, the, the trends are looking are looking good yeah we, we have had uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll see what happens maybe a couple of weeks uh, i don't know it's yeah, the thought that counts yeah it's a race to see who gets back to the center first and you're winning anthony good work yeah unfortunately there's just not much going on like we've we tried to start leagues back up and continue this season um no like we i think we have like 16 teams or something like that for our leagues and i think two full teams and some misfits showed up and that's about it so i think people are still hesitant to come out and be in larger groups like that yeah do you guys did you guys uh upgrade uh, the sanitation stuff do you like wipe the cars down oh, at yeah. halftime and um so basically 
anytime we're done using the cars, like for, for the leagues and stuff, I don't, not in the middle of the games, we don't really clean them after everything's all said and done. They'll go and clean off all the steering wheels, clean the seats and do all that fun stuff. Basically everyone has their own racket, so you don't really have to worry about that. I think if they do have groups come up, I think they will sanitize like the handles of the scoops and stuff like that, but I don't work there. So I think I, from what I have heard from my brother, I think that's all the stuff that they go through. But over the course of the last couple of months, I know he's had hundreds of cancellations instead of books. I think they've only had one booking and that was from like a family group who just wanted to get out of the house and do something. You know, Whirly Ball over there is a lot of corporate groups. So it's hard to say when all those corporations are going to let people go out and actually form groups and do party events and stuff like that. Who, who knows when that's actually going to get back going. Yeah. So you have a lot of leagues out there. Is that how you got involved with and heard about Whirly Ball or uh, tell us your story? No. So uh, originally my dad did leagues back a long time ago, um, back when I was basically born. So he was playing in leagues originally. And then at some point in time, he actually started to work there. So basically when my dad would have us, if he had to work, like if we went with him on the weekends and he had to work a group or whatever, he would occasionally bring us up there. And if there was a court that was open, me and my brother would go on the court and shoot around or whatever to keep ourselves occupied. So, you know, I basically grew up at Whirly Ball just shooting around. So when we did our first leagues, which was, I think 2009 is when we first like league started to come back around and Rick wanted to do them again. You know, I obviously signed up because, you know, we were driving to cars and everything. And, you know, I didn't realize how much playing at a competitive level is. So like 2010 was the first nationals in Cleveland. And obviously you're like, yeah, well I wanted to play and it's a completely different animal when, you know, we did our first D year and I was, surprised at how much I learned there and we actually overachieved you know in my opinion now looking back at it with where we were seated and everything like I know the one Michigan team that we went up against was Doug, Phil, Zach, CJ and Adam Grosser that was their D team and they were just running people over left and right and I think at halftime, I think we were actually up at two. And that from, if I recall correctly, that was the only time that they were losing at halftime. They blew us out the next game because they made adjustments at halftime and they completely stomped us. But it was a lot of fun. And then continuing going, you know, through nationals and everything, you know, we started playing C in Michigan. And that was when like Colby and Jordan were up there and they just ate everybody alive and like, we didn't even stand a chance. We, you know, like we got our asses kicked a lot, but that also pushed me to want to learn more and be a better player. So I'm curious. You said you had grown up playing whirly ball, right? You were at the center a lot uh, throughout the yeah. years. So your had your dad had he played in national tournaments? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he 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 used to travel for it all the time. So you know he. Um, you know, he's made his trips to Seattle, Atlanta, Texas and stuff way before I was even thinking of nationals. Okay. So you, you knew about him. You just had no interest until 2010. 
Cor- correct. Year. Like we never played competitively. All I knew was, Hey, I have a ball. I can shoot the ball and I can oh, hit wow. the net, you know, on the court, just standing around, you know, we didn't drive the, we, we drove the cars occasionally, but we didn't really drive around that much. And, you know, that's where I developed my shot and everything. And I've gotten really consistent at it, but you know, other than you know playing at a competitive level, like I know I would go and occasionally like someone like his leagues, I think happened to, uh, before nationals and i think i went and played on someone's team one time and i i was a complete detriment to them because all i wanted to do was go play offense i didn't know that there was another side to the game like who who wants to play defense like i only know how to sit you know get the ball shoot the ball i was a a normal league player who has no idea what's going on and now looking back at it like i was terrible but you've definitely improved over the years for sure yeah and and so that's something that I'm really interested in is is you are kind of known in 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 these leagues as having you know a really high whirly ball IQ. You you coach your teams you know during the game. It's like having a coach on the field. You see it well. You make adjustments all the time. So coming from that place, you know, after your first nationals, where you sort of you know you saw the level of competition, you got inspired and said, "I want to get better at this." What was the process? What are things that you did to 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 learn the game better and and, and improve? Basically, like our first year in D opened it up to a lot. Like I would play defense a lot and I would roll up the court and make shots. And like you could see the court from defense a little bit better and see everything that's kind of going on. And it, it helps see that. So after that, we got killed in Michigan. And I think after Michigan, I think we went to Texas. And I think after Texas is when I personally started to see everything a little bit more and we started making trips up to Michigan religiously every Sunday. Um, we would go practice with all those guys and a long time ago, I, you know, I think it was just before Cleveland nationals, uh, Tom Choquette actually came up to Cleveland and he tried to workshop us. So he did a Monday morning for like straight up true beginner whirly ball, like, back when I said, oh, as a kid, I only know see ball, shoot ball. Like, you know, he did it for those people. And then he did it for more of our, you know, advanced people. So we were in for that one. And then, you know, he was trying to explain to us like, you know, how to see the court looking for certain things, you know, defense and positioning and stuff like that. And originally, you know, back at then I never, I didn't see it that way. And then after Atlanta, I'm like, okay, I, recall Tom's you know information is given that that's it clicked so that's where I started to watch more video I would watch players like Darby and Sam and Clint and Arkell in Michigan to see how they were driving their cars asking them questions why are they doing what they're doing what are they looking at and things like that and then watching more video and then for having it just go off in my brain of how I want to position myself and see the court. And I try to relay that back to my players. I try to be as vocal as I can on the court. Me personally, I believe I see the court, at least, you know, I can share that information with my brother. You know, we will both be there at that same level. Um, Sometimes obviously we see things differently and that's when the arguments start, but um other than that, you know, we try to communicate that to everybody else because I always feel that just someone has to be a voice or a captain out there to try and, you know, make sure everyone knows what's going on or what to see or 
what they're looking at and try and communicate what I see on the court and what should be covered or, you know, what's open. I mean, in the end, it's a, it's a lot of video study that we did because we just didn't have the players uh, or the talent level to really practice against anybody against like, you know, we had my dad, you know, Jimmy Gall was still around. My uncle John was still around Rick and Coyle were still playing. Uh, but we really never could get all of them on the court at the same time and truly practice. So it was all of our current players, me, my brother, Brad, Jarrett, Sean, Sully, and, you know, my dad and everybody else that we were trying to get up there and, and really learn. But it's hard to do that considering now that a lot of those guys don't practice. So like what I believe, like Rick and let's see. Rick and a lot of the old players, like, you know, I, I like Dave Fry, I think they have an older style of playing and we have what I've noticed. And I've tried to honestly adapt to what I feel is more of a Seattle type of play, which is just an all around balanced game, you know, three man defense wedge, things like that. You know, that's, it's won more oftentimes than it's lost. So obviously you would want to play more like that. That's, you know, how I feel. And I think we were getting a little bit better at it where some of the older players have a different way of style or a different way of playing, different style. So sometimes we're, you know, I think we, some, someone should go over there. Someone else thinks they should go over there. And then, you know, arguments happen and I begin to yell at people, but you know, it's just a lot of work and just videos and watching and things like that, that I tried to, you know, incorporate and just learn from that the, the, the best way possible with our situation and the players that we have. So what year was your first nationals? 2010, I think this would have been my 10th year. And then you, so you've been in C from 2011 or did you? We were in C from 2011 till 2016, 17 when we won at Texas. That would be 2016, sir. 2016. (laughs) Then we getting slapped around in B for the rest of our time now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's You're funny welcome. yeah well it's funny you say that because i mean i you were talking about watching video certain players not either being available or wanting to practice how frustrating is that for you as somebody who is as competitive as you are and you know really wants to advance and, and become you know a really top-notch player in this game you know you don't have like a vast talent pool around you of players that were, you know, that, that are on the same level as that, you know, they want to get as better than you. And so it, I can only imagine it's a little bit frustrating. It is, but you have to do what you can with what you have. You know, that's why we did a lot of Michigan trips. And I believe that that's helped us a lot in terms of things like the only thing I disagree with sometimes and this is just the way I think is like so occasionally we would play against the Michigan players so we play against Sam Clint Arkell um, you know Driscoll Darby occasionally at the time and you know we would put you know our C team out at the time and you know obviously they should kill us and they're going to kill us we know that it's just that when they go up by like 10 or whatever I don't care that they're running up the score. I would rather have them run up the score all the time 
the way I think is that I would rather have them play at their full force 100% of the time and give me a true A game from them and us learn what that pace is and just the speed of the game in general to see how quick, because you, you, it's the only way we're going to adapt to try and fix and, you know, mentally, you know, learn faster, have, you know, where to be, how to do it, how quick do we have to go in position, you know, when can we break for offense? When do we have to go back to defense and, you know, things like that. It's then sometimes once they get up by, uh, you know, a decent amount, it's, oh, let's kind of dick around and bounce pass and shoot the ball weird and stuff like that. And then, then that makes it not a, personally for me, a waste of my time because it's not, not going to learn anymore. from that. Correct. Yeah. I'd rather have them run, run me up 100 to 10, you know, playing an actual game. I wholeheartedly that, that, that's that's more uh, of a learning experience for me. I the wholeheartedly way, I agree with that. Yeah. And that's the way that it should be, especially if you're one of those players who really learns from watching film cuz you you don't want to watch a bunch of A players jerking around on there, you know, you want them you want to see them doing their best and be able to watch yourselves and see uh, and make those adjustments for you to, uh, you know, think those three seconds ahead in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree as well because you know when I'm in training for nationals mode, right, I want those reps. I want I want that practice. <clears throat> it's one of the reasons I love uh, being goalie against Barrett is because Barrett will try stuff. He'll take that shot, and because he takes the shot, I get more practice defending it. Whereas, you know, maybe Joe Tiffany, he's only going to take it if he's, you know, assured it's going to go in. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't get as much uh, as much reaction practice. And, you know, when uh, like our B team, when we were training up, there were a couple of times where uh, the A teams we were playing against, right, they go up by double digits and then, you know, they, they, they put on the brakes and start messing around a little bit. And uh, uh, some of that was, you know, some of my team members as well didn't like them running up the score. But what I wanted was, you know, if you just beat me on that same play four times in a row, keep it coming until I figure out how to, how to, how to defend it. Because mm-hmm. uh, then I'll have learned something. Yeah, without stopping the court. I mean, it's, right. it's like when I was in college going to, you know, certain math classes, the best classes I had were, with the professor would just go to the board and he would do the problems repetitively over and over and over until it, you know, I finally got it. It stuck with me. And that's the same thing with whirly ball. If you run the same place over and over, not make it a drill per se, but you know, repetition within the game, then yeah, you're going to learn from it and you're going to see like, Oh, this is where I'm fucking up. This is what I need to be doing instead. Right. Exactly. It takes me, you know, it took me four times to see it before I recognized it was the same thing four times. And now I got to figure out, okay, what, what can I even do? What can I try that's effective? Yeah. And it may be not that fun for a players to play against the lower, you know, lower players and, and divisions. But, you know, my hope is if, if I'm in that position someday, then I'm going to want to do my part to help the up and comers by doing that. <laughs> I'm going to love beating on them kids. Exactly. It's for, you, it's for you. Yeah. It's, it's for you. I'm doing a public service here by whooping you. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to run the score up. <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't like, you know, kicking some ass? 
<laughs> to me, it's more disrespectful if you fuck around and start shooting and doing whatever and still score on us. And it like, it's just like, okay, yeah, I know I'm bad, yeah, but you're supposed to be me. And that's the way I look at it is like, mm-hmm. if we beat you, there's a big problem, but you're supposed yeah. to beat us by a lot. Right on. I was going to say something that I forgot. So there's that. <laughs> well, do you have of the nationals that you've been to, you know, a decade of nationals, is there any one that, that stands out as your favorite? Oh, my favorite. I mean, honestly, it's the one we won and see, yeah. I mean, it has to be my favorite just because, you know, we won. And you guys were dominant that year too. You know, surprisingly, we played really well with Justin, who we picked up and we really never got to practice with. I remember, I can't, I don't know who we played against. It was our first game and it didn't go so well. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is looking like it's going to be a really bad nationals. And then we proceeded to win like almost every other game from there on out. And I'm like, wow, we really pulled it together really quick there. And (laughs) everything just clicked. I mean, but that's a part of everyone knowing what their role is and what's going to happen and where they're going to, where they're going to go or how they're going to fit in. Um, And that makes a big difference. And that was the year that for you. Hey, look at that. Yeah. (laughs) Do you you want to describe it? Yeah. Describe the shirt radio listeners. (laughs) No. I'm just wearing a Bullet Club shirt. It's not like the Whirly Ball Bullet Club shirt. It's actually like the, the actual wrestling, wrestling, the actual Bullet, wrestling Club Bullet Club yeah. shirt. Yeah. Because I knew you'd appreciate it. So. In 2016 yeah. was the year where you actually didn't have one of your staple players, Anthony. That that was uh, disappointing, I'm sure, right? Uh, He was upset. Yeah. <laughs> I, heard about I felt, I felt, yeah, we had him on and, and he talked about that. I, I felt really bad for him. That was, just, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Sully. I think that's, uh, I think he had, or was close to having his first child um, right around there. And I think that was one of the main reasons why he couldn't go either that or he was close to getting married. I can't remember which one. Yeah, probably a combination way, of both. Uh, either way. Of- it's like one of those. Lack Big of dedication to the, to the sport. <laughs> <laughs> also, another thing, uh, we've heard a rumor on a podcast that you had possibly been trying to work on a, making a whirly ball game or something. What's the story oh, behind I, that? I tried and by myself. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot of dedication and I didn't have the patience to actually go through with it. It's, it's a lot of work and I was trying to do it in VR and it's, wow. it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And are, are you a uh, are you a programmer? I was. Uh, I went to school to be a game designer. Oh, right on. So, how many hours did now? you put into that? <laughs> right now, I work for the government. <laughs> oh. Boo! Government video games. Those aren't. That yeah, no, great. they don't mix. They don't yeah. mix at all. <laughs> oh, well, the the army's made a couple of video games. Oh, true. Yeah. Um. I know a Call of Duty. Like my buddy, <laughs> <Halo>. he, <laughs> um, my buddy went to NASA to just, uh, develop programs and stuff for their, uh, for really? their like research and stuff like that. Occasionally, I know they do a lot with that, but um, mm-hmm. I wasn't lucky enough to get into any of those. Yeah, NASA uh, specifically, and 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 aerospace as well, but NASA they love uh, uh, video game designers because of the 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 spatial awareness and the relative. 
uh, spatial definitions and vector space that you have to do for, for 3D positioning, which is, I mean, you can't have a video game without knowing where the characters are and where the scenery is. And that same math, that same application is, you know, guidance, navigation, and control of mm -hmm. rockets and satellites and visualizations is, uh, so they actually seek out uh, video game designers for a lot of that stuff. So there you go, Anthony. I guess NASA is your next career path. I would absolutely love that, but I don't think that's ever going to happen, being just realistic. Not with or, that uh, attitude. Or, uh, or <laughs> SpaceX or Blue Origin or now that now that space travel is moving to, to, to commercial, the commercial world. Space Force, Anthony. Space Force! <laughs> Another question that has really been heavy on my mind is, are you known in the Spanish community as Antonio Hello? No. <laughs> the last name doesn't even have any sp like Spanish roots. It's Hungarian. Oh, sorry. <laughs> a bunch of people reached out to me, and I just I just had to clear the air with that. Oh yeah, I get I get it all the time. It's like, oh, your last name's Hello. I'm like, <laughs> not as a great of a question as that. But does anyone ever call you Tony? I used to do go by Tony back in school. But never since then. Like, like in, back in high school. Game oh, I was going to say game developing school. No, it was back in high school. I used to go by Tony, but I don't anymore because my uncle is named Tony. And it's just way easier to keep it um, simple because he lives next door to us. So my uncle, you know, Tony lives next door. And then there's me. Yeah. So it's you're just, saying I, you're going to have to kill him. <laughs> no <laughs> there can be only one yeah and there's no way you're calling him uncle anthony yeah no that yeah. doesn't even sound right yeah to me at least uncle tony little tony but little tony's big tony <laughs> yeah stuff. we touched on the video gaming stuff for a second but i also want to like throw out like the appreciation of your sleeve with all the video game like tats on it yes yeah, oh, yeah. a fellow like, geek I've always like admired it every year at Nats. Just like, it's amazing. So thank you. Yeah. Why don't you tell some people out there, Anthony, who are not looking at it? What do you, what do you have on there? Okay. So I have on my right arm, a entire tattoo colored sleeve dedicated to super Mario. It's awesome. delightful. I actually have skull kid with Majora's mask on tattooed on my back, right ankle or my calf. Now, how often do you run through the city punching bricks? <laughs> Not often. <laughs> <laughs> and is it feel good knowing that you have more championships than the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Clowns are terrible. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Uh, so we're going to get down to the questions. Uh, main topic question. If you could uh, build your own team with yourself on it, who who are the other four players you would want on your team? The dream oh, team. Son of a, dream team. Son of a bitch. Um, hmm. If you've listened to our podcast, we asked this question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, that question is going to come up, and I probably should prepare for it, but mm -hmm. I didn't. It I don't think like anyone. No does, yeah, nobody everyone, does, and everyone knows it's coming. Uh, let's see here. And it could be from. Just anyone you would love to play with from throughout time to build yourself a team. Hmm. <laughs> but they have to Could put up with you yelling at them. 
It's <laughs> you know, actually, Anth Anthony and, and I have talked about playing together for quite some time. I would actually love to play yeah. with Anthony. Oh, would Anthony love to play with Steve? We'll find I out. Would. <laughs> Just not in dream team <laughs> fashion. Me. It's okay. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> no, no. Please, we would enjoy if you resisted the guilt. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. The first player that would come to mind on that team would be Jeremy Bennett. Mm. I would take Jeremy. Hmm. Let's see here. I think the next person I would take would be Carl from Seattle. Carl oh, Strom. Carl Strom. Uh, let's see here. Damn. Only two more people. If you want to put Steve vote on that team, only one more person. <laughs> I would take Carter from Texas. That is not Steve. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. I need. Yeah, and remember, you want an all-around team. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to think not... of. All right. Yeah, Austin. Austin so when you're thinking defense, thinking defense, Steve. Oh. oh. <laughs> Fuck no. Let's see. That last person would probably be. Honestly, I would think like Joe Tiffany. Yeah, tough to go wrong. Oh, yeah. there you go. That's pretty good. Joe team. Tiffany, top all-around player. That's that's a that's a solid team, my friend. So break it down for us. Uh, why Carl? Uh, why Jeremy? Why Joe? And why uh, uh, Austin? And why not Steve? Uh, <laughs> He's about to tell you why. Uh, so Jeremy all around is a great player. He's got a really good shot. He's calm on the court. He's relaxed. I think he performs very well under pressure. And watching him throughout these last couple of years, it seems like he's been like the next upcoming Michigan like go-to main shooter. Like it, it just – you know, as a player, I think you mean Wisconsin. Oh, <laughs> whatever. He's still Michigan. It doesn't matter to me. But you know, that's that's the reason. He's just a very well-rounded player and very smart offense, very smart defense, calm, relaxed. That's kind of why I I picked him. Um, Carl is just an amazing driver. He's a very smart player. I wish I could see the court like him and just drive like I watched him in Seattle the last time we were there just dominate people just driving around the car like nobody could keep up with him he makes everybody look good for the looks that he gives you know his, his players or whoever's around him like it's it's more or less likely easy to shoot when he's picking for you or doing whatever and he just doesn't do that well he he can do basically anything i mean um you know even though like a lot of the a players already can Carter is a, I just like Carter. He's a big scoop on defense. He's got a good shot from range. Well-rounded, mainly pick him for straight up defense <clears throat> just to be an anchor back there. But he still can, you know, basically shoot and stuff still. And then Joe, tall player, can shoot, can play defense, can do anything. You know, that's kind of what you would want to look for in a team. Like everyone can do everything 
you know, in my opinion, just be the best team possible. You know, everyone can play defense. Everyone can do picker. Everyone can shoot. Um, you know, it's kind of what I try and like, I know a lot of people can fit those roles, but those are like people who stood out in my mind. Nice. That's a, that's a great team. So I just need to work on being able to do everything. <laughs> and then eventually someone's going to pick me up on the roster. That's right. All you need to work on. It's very simple. Is every defense. Oh, <laughs> someone has a way for me to like gain an extra three inches vertically. That'd be great. Well, Joe figured out a or yeah, Joe figured out a way to get three Mr. inches taller. So does my brother. Austin does a, a pretty good job of standing up while keeping a cheek down as much as possible. I blocked James Gill. Whoa! <laughs> I seen it. Hey, you retire right there. I, I should have retired a long time ago, <laughs> back in 2013. So we've talked about the team that you would want to, the players you'd want to play with, the team that you'd want to play on. Is there an individual that you look forward to playing against or someone that brings out the competitive spirit in you that drives your game? Someone who might be your rival, nemesis. My rival? I don't. I mean, I would love to play against the A players, like against James or Sam. Like, I mean, any of those guys, any of the A guys at this point in time, like I like to play against, you know, preferably James because he's, you know, he's got the titles and in theory he's, you know, best of the best, you know, just shooting wise. And just as a player to beat him is a big staple uh, in a, in like a career, you know, yeah. that's, you know, what I would love to, to see happen at some point in time to where I could, you know, compete or be on that same level. It's a one thing that kind of sucks, like with us growing up and playing it now is we're not going to be able to play those players in their prime. So like, you know, at one point we probably will be able to beat them and it, but it just won't be as <laughs> like, it just won't taste as good, you know? True. But even still, I'm taking that. <laughs> what about the um, people that you play against currently anthony like in you know in in c or b is there anyone that you look forward Steve to playing Vogue? against no not, not even me that was i'm not fishing here just although if you want in you know b? <laughs> i i don't say i like to like i don't say i have a rival there's just i mean i love playing against everybody Mainly just because I have a good time. I, it, there, there's no one that you I like beating. Like, it, like I, just in with. general, I like beating the Texas guys because they're loud. And like when they have, like when they're just, just, just in general, just because they, they're loud and they get excited and they, they, they try and get in your heads. But I, that, that just makes me want to play harder and not lose to them ever because I know if I do, I'm never going to hear the end of it. So like back when, when Lennard uh, used to play, he's the loudest guy on the court and he always lets you know when he scores and stuff like that. But uh, I love, love just to give it back to him whenever we score. It, it's, it's great. And it's all in good fun. And I mean, like there's no hard feelings one way or the other, however it goes down and no, nothing's personal whenever that stuff happens. Um, but it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you I, have I, any I uh, do you have any type of uh, superstitions that you do for playing like do you 
there's certain socks you wear for nationals or like you never your skirt and suit like you just go out and play or routine yep, just go out and play any, just, I, I never really think about any of that i don't no songs in, like, you listen to like that personally no rabbit foot none of that nope none of that i'm lame all right well we should just end the podcast now <laughs> <laughs> well that does it oh no okay <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh favorite off the court moment in in whirly ball favorite off the court moment uh hmm I'm trying to think here favorite off the court moment my favorite off the court moment with you anthony is the atlanta debacle when you and i uh were were refing together oh god uh, that's my favorite as well because oh, I was on the court. <laughs> I mean, technically, it was it was off the court. We were up in the ref booth. Oh no, I was on the court. So. Oh, and then yeah, yeah. Mark was on the court for that game. <laughs> Explain it to me. What what happened? Okay, so what happened was is me and Steve were refing, um, and this was right like the semifinals, right before the actual championship game, and it was Cleveland versus Seattle. And we had a D team out there that consisted of junior who was playing at the time and they shot the ball. And I I believe we scored or something happened. The 32nd clock ran out. The ball was was, rolling. It was a 32nd clock right out. Yeah. So the, the ball was rolling and junior had no idea where the ball was at. He ended up turning and hitting the ball or hitting someone who was going to be close to the ball. Junior had no idea what was going on. Obviously it's a delay game. He, he didn't realize that. Oh, uh, that's right. He did. He picked he up the ball and then tried the to give it seconds, back or something yeah, like that. He didn't that. realize like, the 30 seconds ran out. And then he, so your player dropped the ball. It was rolling towards him. So he picked it up thinking like he had opportunity yeah. to get the ball. Correct. So it became a delay game. And it was a delay game. And we, we charged him for the delay game. It was like, it wasn't even a question that it happened. Basically what, go away. Yeah, and that's that's where the the rule change of intentional. <laughs> kill him, gotta kill him. <laughs> are you are you being interrupted, sir? Yeah, I am. So basically, uh, we charged him for the delay game, and the game ended up it ended, and I believe Cleveland was in theory up by one. How much and time left was in the game when the it was, was under committed? two minutes? It was under two minutes. Under two minutes. And per the rules, when you delay the game within that time frame, it should be an automatic tie. Yeah. Or within there's yo. <laughs> See, he's not even at whirly balling on the court. He's already arguing with Chili. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. Take care of business. Yes. Chili, don't be mad. We're going to have you on at some point. But to uh, just kind of touch more on what he was saying, under two minutes, the rule is goes to an automatic uh, overtime. And that did not happen. Isn't it? Is it the last two minutes or is it the last 30 seconds? Or is it 30 seconds? I think it's 30 seconds. So I think right. it's 
so it, it, the the I, I thought it was the last thirty seconds where the game automatically goes to overtime. Yeah, see, and this is pathetic because you know you figure Anthony and I would know this more than anybody now. Yeah. but it's. I think it was within the thirty seconds. It's because it was like stressful and close. Yeah, and either see, way, because we were um, like looking to get the ball like right back to try to yeah, score. Because yeah. Cleveland was up at that yeah. time, the game ended and. Per the score, Cleveland was up by one or they one were or up by one points. or yeah, one or two points. And, you know, everyone thought, OK, Cleveland won. No big deal. Me and Steve were about to hop out. And then I get Brad Elke and some other Seattle people came on there and said, hey, you know, per the rules, uh, this is a tie game. At that point, it was and, Jimmy. That's right, Jimmy. And, you know, Rick came out there and then they're all arguing left and right. And it was a big ordeal like. I don't know how you solve games when the game technically already ends and the score is as posted, but yeah, it was a big ordeal. Basically we ended up tying the game and then Seattle, uh, you guys ended up winning that game. Yeah. We won um, in overtime. Yeah. And I think then, it uh, a double overtime actually. Yeah, it went to, I think it was at least a double overtime. Yeah. Which begs the question in the future, if that happens, do you run on the court you know, if you're if you're a, you know a team representative or whatever, and you plead your case, or is, do we treat this like other sports where what the ref calls is the way that it ends, regardless? Yeah, I believe should... now that they have the referee timeouts, where if they did miss something or something is wrong, they could stop the game, explain it, or correct it at that time. I think that's a thing now. Yeah, but that. I mean, that, but that but the the game would still be over, and it would still be the 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 center representative, the center advocate calling, asking for a referee timeout. Yeah. So what should have happened over. is that the game at that point should have, you know, they should have like opted to be like, hey, Anthony, Steve, you know, stop the game, you know, referee timeout, referee timeout, and that never happened. Instead, you know, we went through the to the end of the game, and then it was. Then yeah, to the end of the game where yeah. people are already walking off the court. Exactly. And, and then people also, had a big I mean, stink about it. For a referee timeout in the last 30 seconds of a game is inviting controversy as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like even as we were walking off the court beforehand, like Jimmy was up there yelling at you guys or <clears throat> yelling at someone. I didn't like, hear him. I like, didn't hear it. That whole old ordeal didn't really happen until it was all said and done. Cause, but cause like we I were mean, just with, like sitting there on the court, like it was just really awkward. Yeah, and like, because there was Rich and then Jimmy, and we hadn't left the cars. Like, yeah, we were, because they told yeah. you to stay out there, and yeah. Rick was trying to pull right. our guys out, and yeah, right. Everyone was saying if you guys get up, it's a forfeit, and it was a yeah, it was it was, it was a mess. It was yeah. a big yeah. mess. I'm just happy it wasn't a Texas team. Jeez, <laughs> oh, me too. We've just been worse. The the um, uh, love those guys. We yeah. ruined it for those children. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the way it would work in uh, a normal professional sport, right, is the referees would, uh, first of all, have been briefed and tested and been found to be knowledgeable and certified in some way in the rules and the, the uh, application of those rules, the interpretations. Um, there, there'd be some expectations sitting there. And then on top of that, then you would have the, the protest, the tournament protest capability that says, okay, I disagree with the implementation of this rule. And in most sports, you can disagree with a set of rules or the application of rules, but not the judgment 
of the rules or whatever. You, you draw the boundaries and then you send it to, you know, uh, following a protest, there's a, there's a, a tournament direction and a board, you know, or whatever you set it up that it can review it and review whether or not to uphold or reverse the appeal. And in Major League Baseball, what you see sometimes, and maybe this is a thing that would have happened, in Major League Baseball sometimes, like, you know, a week, two weeks later, you'll come back and everyone will start the game up in the bottom of the seventh inning with two outs and a runner on second. And you finish the game from that weird spot that you start. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, everyone gets off the court and everyone talks about it, figures it out. And then later that day, y'all go back and start at, a, at an overtime. Ideally, it would be nice to, you know, keep you, keep you there, you know, have the same mojo of the same, uh, you know, uh, heart rate, the same, you know, we're playing right now. I'm not going to go back and strategize and think it through or any of that, but. Um, within that same field of things, what are some things you think uh, could help advance within the future of volleyball? Like if it's the rules, if it's expanding to get people involved, what are some things yeah. that you think could help within the future of volleyball? Me personally, I believe that volleyball needs more players in general. You know, I always hope that more people could join and play and see it as, you know, as we see it, something fun that we could do all the time. Go, you know, see, uh, you know, everybody at these all different centers and stuff like that. Basically, uh, you know, after the first couple years of doing this, like, you know, I love to just be competitive and it whirly ball is something I love doing. But, uh, you know, I always consider this as like, uh, a family of people when I go see everybody at a different center, you know, get to catch up and hang out with everybody there. And it's just overall a good time. But I also think that in order to keep people, the D division needs to be tweaked a little bit. And I think we're kind of doing that a little bit now where players who should stay in D can stay in D and continue to learn and grow there without having to go to C and get killed because a lot of those players have way more experience and been playing for years and just are still in C because they haven't won. And, you know, honestly, I almost hit that point too, where it's like, man, you know, can we really win? Is this really worth it? Do I really want to keep playing nationals? And should I still keep going and wasting money? Because in theory, you don't get anything back. You know, it's just fun to go out there. It's just a vacation and play whirly ball. You know, I love it in general, but sometimes when you're losing all that much it kind of forces you away so i think being a little more lenient in the d division where people with those types of skills can still stay there and continue to you know at least have fun or you know compete at, with people who are still at their level no anthony you cannot play d again <laughs> <laughs> i agree with that as well i think that uh you should be able to do d a couple times because just doing it once and then trying to move up to C, you're either not good enough to be on a C team or you just lose interest right away because you're getting destroyed. Whereas if you can compete in D a couple times, like you can learn and develop a bit more and uh, also just maybe possibly get more people to join you as well. To, Cause maybe they're, you can be like, you're not, I'm not that great either. So come join me to be on this team type of situation. Whereas you can't get those people to join you with, 
C when you just moved up because you played D once. Yeah. Well, and that's I the beauty of the National Players Association is that, you know, it's established so that they can make those exceptions and accommodations and go over like, well, this player has been playing, but hasn't played this long or their skill set isn't quite C level yet. But how often does that happen? I guess. Well, I mean, you don't see that many D players stay within D. I mean, we had but two then, in the we we had two in the finals this last year. I know. Yeah, and but and and the, the association hasn't been it hasn't been you know uh, established long enough, and 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 there'll be more players that fall into that category genre, whatever you want to call it, in the future. And and Anthony brings up a good point: is we we definitely should be a little bit more understanding and lenient with those. You know the other the other approach that I kind of enjoy uh, about uh, you know addressing that is, you know people have stagnated in C and like you say Anthony you were in C for a decade, so now you're playing uh, with the Cleveland team with a decade of experience against someone who it's their second year and they played D the previous year, so you're gonna you're gonna destroy them. And so it's been cool to see the change in the rule between C and B to have both the champion and also the, the runner-up both get moved to B and also include the C champion of the previous year in the B tournament, which particularly, you know, moving people from C up to B will help make C, you know, hopefully a little bit, uh, yeah, not as much of transition. a total blowout. Yeah, it eases the transition. And I and I like that approach because B was also pretty small. And yeah, you know, uh, I mean, frankly, if you're gonna get stuck, yeah, and if you're gonna get stuck somewhere for a decade, it kind of feels like B is the is a better place than C because you're trying to break into A. And we should we should never try and detune A. That should be as good as it can possibly be. Oh yeah. A plus. What's your bar pitch, Anthony? My bar pitch. Yeah, how, how do you get you people to play? This? Yeah. How do I get oh God, no. I mean <laughs> Oh, that's I'm, why there's no players in Cleveland. <laughs> listen, we have a lot of league teams. It's just like we try to convince more and more people. And I think as of now, like we would actually had a couple teams come out to Michigan because it's easy to push Michigan. It's, it's not a far drive. It's a three hour drive from Cleveland to, to Novi. People would have came out there. It wouldn't have been that expensive for them, but trying to pitch people to go, Hey, it's your first year in D you want to fly out to Texas or Seattle and spend all this money for whirly ball. And they just can't realistically see it that way. They don't look at it that way. Everyone sees it as well. I'd rather go on a vacation and not go play whirly ball. And I can't, we've tried, you know, years to change them and see if they would play, but they just don't see it as like, you know, that competitive or something that they want to do. And that's, it's, it's hard to convince players to, to go to nationals when you actually have to travel and airfare and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess uh, it's easier when it's nationals is in your home center to get people to play that wouldn't frequently play. Um, is there anything we should have asked you that we didn't? Hmm. Who's your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler? Oh, yeah. Oh, it would be Stone Cold. Mm. Nailed it. Mm -hmm. Strong choice. Damn it, I thought I was going to be that guy. All right, favorite wrestler <laughs> of this era. 
this era i haven't watched much of this area i'm slacking okay well if you're going bullet club wouldn't it be like kenny omega or yeah see like that my brother and sully and all of them they took over the shirt design and all that stuff this year i'm like i i'm like i just sign up you guys do whatever you guys do and like (laughs) i'm just there yeah so just really quick anthony do you want to divulge who your b team was going to be this year so our b team was going to be me my brother my dad who else why can i not remember everyone else one of the Dobies, Sully, Sean. It was Sully. Sully Steve? was going to be on the B team. And I think we were going to either have, I think we're going to have Brad. Was that it? Why am I not remembering everyone who is coming to practice right now? I'm drawing a blank and it's really embarrassing. You'll think of it eventually. And uh, if I should have a new catchphrase, what should it be? <laughs> oh god i don't know i'm terrible at these things <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy come on you watch wrestling you, they're, you they're, wouldn't want to keep they're all about catchphrases no no see now nah, i'm terrible no 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 well fuck all right yeah yeah they stick with that that's oh, good. Fuck. <laughs> that's pretty good oh well fuck all right i'll try it out see how it works <laughs> all right do you guys have anything else for anthony no, just uh, again, you know, uh, um, uh, thank, you. thank you for all the hospitality when we were in Cleveland. Uh, it really made that experience. Uh, uh, it, it, it saved it for me, uh, especially because, you know, of course, Steve had us in the ghetto. So any chance <laughs> we had to come hang out with you guys and you were a very gracious host. And it was obvious that you and your brother were working your tails off to make that a great tournament. So thank you for that. Yeah, we were trying to recover from, you know, everyone's horrible experience back in 2010 that uh, we, we hear all about. So what's it like uh, playing so much with your with your uh, uh, nuclear family members? It's a good time. We're all competitive in our own way, and we all just want to win you know, when it comes down to it. It's just that we all see some things just a little differently and we're not all on the same page occasionally. And it's at those points is when we all start to argue because we all think our own way is right. And it just takes us time for us to work that out. We could yell at each other for, you know, 10, 20 minutes. But after that, you know, once, once everything settles down, it's just done over with no big deal onto the, onto the next game or whatever. And, you know, no hard feelings. No one's, you know, holding any grudges against each other. You know, we laugh at it after that, but that's just how we work things out. Is it hard sometimes that, you know, uh, uh, you know, talking to Chili that way or talking to your dad and then, you know, having other teammates that you interact with maybe completely differently? No, that's just me. I know they don't like that about me. When I yell, they always say I could do, you know, that much better. And I agree to a point. It's just the the only thing I know how to do. My our whole family is loud, just loud, you know, just in general. And it only gets louder from there when we argue. But, you know, like I said, in the end, it's just that we all just want to win and we're trying to figure out the best way that we can do it. And that just involves yelling. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. You guys are, you know, you, 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 you're big personalities, very memorable. And you, you, uh, you know, you, you're what I think of you know, your family is what I think of when I think of Cleveland Whirly ball. Uh, and I do want to just, you know, reiterate, thank you 
for all of the work that you guys did to make the, the most recent nationals just a, just an absolute success. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you guys for, you know, coming down and playing and, you know, I know we had some, uh, some things, you know, didn't go exactly the way as we planned, but, yeah, um, we you know, lost. We, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were trying to make it a lot better than, uh, 2010. Yeah. Anthony, your, your center was actually one of my most favorite experiences. I had a great time down there, even though I had us, uh, you know, our Airbnb down in the ghetto and, and, and all that stuff. It was still a great time. I had some good uh, bonding experiences with a lot of the guys. The center itself was great. The cars ran fantastic. And, yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about my time down there. I can't wait till the, the next time you guys host. Yeah. And, and personally, you were a very gracious host. I felt very welcomed in uh, right away. It, it was good appreciate it yeah it's what we were trying to do make sure everyone was happy and uh you know we were we were doing the most that we could with within rick's rules too you know we were trying to get the most for you guys and that's what i did last year i did whatever i could to make people happy <laughs> within steve's rules <laughs> he didn't have many where we're going there are no rules <laughs> Which is nowhere because we're stuck at home. <laughs> no, except Anthony. Steve Rhodes. <laughs> uh, Mark, that was uh, I love what. <laughs> uh, Mark, your uh, your mic cut in and out. It just sounded really uh, laggy and fantastic. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Pretty beautiful. Anything else, guys? All right, well, Mark's frozen in time. Oh, Mark, there he's back now. All right. I don't know what happened, but that was fine. Yeah, it was good. M Mark, <laughs> did you have anything else for Anthony? No, I, I mean, I just wanted to also just say thank you for uh, 2018. It was amazing. Thank you for all the games we played together. Like, you're a competitive player to play against, and – you're you're just as fun on the court as you are off the court, and just always just thank you. I guess like you you talk shit on the court, but off the court you're just an amazing person to talk to. And like, yeah, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. Yeah, I look forward to competing you against you for years to come, Anthony. You're you're one of my favorite people on the court. Sure. Aww. And that well, you guys are eight players now, right? I can't wait to be a better player to start playing with you and B. Uh, oh, technically, yeah, we're A, but I'm not going to be playing A for quite some time, I imagine. I'll still have a, a number of things that I need to do in B. Boo. Well, that means I get to play you more. That's true. Unless you Maybe decide I want to, to go see you guys up in A. I think we will one day. We'll be those old guys. Yeah. Someone's got to replace all of them. We're just going to start killing them off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that does it for another episode of What in the World. Anthony Ola, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Had a good time. Hope to have you back on. Shout Absolutely. out to all of our listeners out there. 
Download and subscribe to What in the World if you haven't already. It's available on a number of podcasting platforms. Like us on the Facebooks. Reach out to us on there. Send a comment. Let us know if you want to be a guest at some point. Hug each other. Love each other. And in the meantime, you know, actually, before I sign off, since it's so close to what Nationals would have been, Noah has a few words of wisdom that he would like to share with you. You got any wood for Driscoll? Give it to him. (laughs) Oh, if you got any wood for Driscoll, give it to him. Give him the wood. Give him the wood. Thanks, everybody out there. Don't let those whirly balls sit in the face. Peace. Get the cocaine. (laughs) Get the cocaine. (laughs) Well, fuck.